welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunlevy. There's so many ways people grieve these days. It's not just from losing someone they love to death. My guest today is Paul Fortune, and he actually was grieving the feeling of being left out, the feeling of being different, the feeling of being bullied and victimized as a child. And he has been able to transform his life in such a way that is absolutely amazing. And that's why I wanted to introduce him to you today. Paul, thank you very much for joining us today. Sherry, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to talk with you. So tell me your journey. What was it like growing up and what was the bullying and all of that like? And what were you being left out of? Well, I I was born with something called uh, cerebral palsy. And if your viewers don't know what that is, it's lack of oxygen to the brain at labor. And as a result of of this, it can leave one side of the body paralyzed. And this is permanent. It it can't go. It does not go away. And uh, when I was an infant, I wasn't moving the right side of my body. So my mom was very, very concerned. So she took me to the doctors to see what was going on. And when they ran some tests, they found out that I, I suffer from cerebral palsy and they thought it was so severe uh, that the doctor told my mom that I would never, ever be able to walk. Thank goodness for a great mom. She just didn't go with that diagnosis. She got a second, third, fourth, fifth, finally found somebody that was willing to, to help me. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, once I found that person, that physician, my, my journey of physical therapy started uh, I remember, I don't remember this, but I was able to walk at three. Uh, I was able to defy the doctor, which was awesome. Um, but I do remember being put into soccer around five. And at the time I could only run about 25 to 50 yards where these other kids are running laps around the soccer field. And I remember saying to myself, this is ridiculous. I'm making a fool out of myself. These kids are laughing at me because I can only run to the lamppost to back and I, you know, I'm not really playing soccer. I'm just standing out there, basically. And I told my mom, I, I want to quit. This, this is not for me. And my mom said, that's fine. You don't have to play soccer anymore, but you have to honor your commitment. You have to finish out the season. And then if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's your prerogative. So that's what happened. I finished mm-hmm. out the season. I never played soccer in my life since. But I got a break uh, when I was six years old. I had an operation on my right foot to, to tighten up the tendon, to give me a little bit more spring in my step and almost take away the pain I was feeling when I ran. Mm-hmm. And I switched schools around the same time. And I remember my first day of PE, physical education. We, we did our stretches and the teacher said, okay, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. I'm going to run this lap and I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards. I'm going to have to stop. And these kids are going to see that that's all I can run. And they're going to start uh, picking on me. But this time was different because of my operation. I was able to go past that point where I normally have to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I remember saying to myself, I'm keeping up with the kids. I'm going, come on, Paul. You got this, bud. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And I finished the lap with the other kids. On the outside, I kept it kind of cool. But on the inside, I was like, yes, yes, yes. The first time in my, my life, my young life, that I felt just like one of the kids. I didn't, I didn't stand out like I normally do. And things from that point got easier, but I wouldn't consider them easy. I switched mm-hmm. schools again in junior high. And as you know, that age is mm-hmm. tough. 
They're extremely honest, honest, and they don't hold back. And sometimes they can be very, very mean. And, and uh, so just being a new kid alone is very, very tough, right? I was a new kid with a disability. So I remember going to school and I was bullied, teased pretty much every single day. And on top of this, on top of all this, uh, my mom uh, uh, raised me Catholic, so she wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. So I had to take an assessment test to see where I was at academically to see where they were gonna place me in high school. Well, I must have bombed the test because when I met with my mom and principal and the new, the new principal, they said that we're gonna put me at the lowest level and don't expect much from him because he's not college material. So I had a principal telling me that after one test, I, I'm getting bullied and teased in school pretty much every single day. I'm sitting in my room crying on why me? Why do I have to be different? Why can't I just fit in? And I don't know what came over me, but midway through my eighth grade, <clears throat> I was sick of feeling angry and sad because that were my emotions pretty much all the time just because of the environment I'm in. But deep down, I'm not an angry and sad person. Um, so I wanted to do something that would prevent me from always feeling these feelings. So I thought to myself, what if I set a goal for myself? What if I set a goal to distract me from, from all these feelings? So I said, okay, what do I want to do? And I go, well, at the time I loved baseball. So I said, why don't I try to make my varsity baseball team? So from then on, I played fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing tennis ball against while I was doing this over and over and over again. And um, I didn't know this at the time. Looking back, I know this. I know this now. I changed my energy. The energy I was putting out to these kids was much different. Mm -hmm. And I had my shoulders back, my head forward. And as a result of this energy that I was that I was sending out to these kids, instead of bullying and teasing me, they started rooting for me. So my junior high to my high school career was much much different, all because of the energy that I was putting out. It was much much different. So what you're saying is you had to change you for things to change. That's right. That's the only thing that you can control. You can't control what everybody else is doing. And, and it would have been very easy for, you know, I mean, in schools, bullying should never, ever be tolerated. But it's really how you handle the bullies that makes all the difference if it's not physical harm. Yeah, then most definitely. And, and uh, it, it was uh, it was a lot hard lesson to learn for me for me at the time, because uh, I, I didn't really have anybody to lean on because the junior high didn't have any friends. So it was just, it, 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 I, you know, in some ways, it's just, you know, wow, I, I, I think, wow, thank goodness that I, that I went for a goal in baseball, as opposed to doing something like going for drugs or, or something, you know, destructive. So um, and I, I think I have to thank my mom for that, for, for, for being a positive influence in my life and leading me in the, in the right mm -hmm. direction because, you know, uh, she did everything for me to, to make sure that I had the, the, the greatest possible life I could have. So let me ask you this then, Paul, when you were going through all this bullying, was your mom, did you hide this from your mom or was your mom aware of it? My mom was not aware of this. Uh, I didn't want to concern her with it. So I, I was I was internalizing all of it. I, I kept it all to myself. I would ball it up. I I'd keep a strong face in front of my mom and then go in my room and cry about it. I I, 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 I hate to say this, but I really didn't have anybody to lean on at that point, at that time. So where do you think this came from? Where do you think this 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 desire to to change you 
came from. Do you have any idea? I just, I just felt like I, I, I didn't want to uh, uh, be this victim anymore. I don't know where it came from, but I know that I didn't want to be a victim. I, I, I just wanted to rise above it. I, I, I just had a strong desire um, that I, I, that this wasn't me. I, I back in my head, I knew that this wasn't me. Mm -hmm. This is not how I carried myself being angry, sad, timid person. I knew deep down that wasn't me. And, and, um, I, I, I don't know. I wish I had a, a, something I could say that, that would put it together, but I really don't know. I just know that something came over me going, I, I know this wasn't me. And, um, what if I tried this goal, see if this would change things? Well, I can tell you exactly what it is. It is the fact that you um, made a decision that this was not going to be you anymore, that you did not want to feel this way. Sometimes we don't know what we want, but we know exactly what we don't want. And we can use that as a compass as much as we can as anything else in our life. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense to me. Yeah. So let's finish the rest of your story. You played fall ball, you played spring ball, you threw balls up against the wall. What the story in high school? Did you make the varsity team? I'm happy to say I did. I made the varsity baseball team junior, uh, a junior and a senior, and I graduated. And um, I really kind of mailed it in as far as my academics. All I did was stay eligible to play baseball. That was my whole goal. Because mm -hmm. um, because in my back of my head, I go, why try? I mean, the, the, t the principal thinks I'm not college material, so why not just just do enough to get by and then move on. I, I started to really think about that though, when I graduated high school, uh, what that principal said to me in junior high saying that I wasn't college material. And I really thought about the goal I set for myself um, making the baseball team. And at the time, me having cerebral palsy, making a varsity high school baseball team, I, th I thought that was like, you know, almost impossible to do, but I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, well, if I could do that, why can't I be college material? So I, I enrolled in a uh, junior college, took that 2.0 to 3.5. I, I, I went to the math lab, uh, went to the, got a tutor. I mean, I did everything I could because I wasn't that great in school, but I, but I, I, but I was determined to, to, to be college material. So I did all the things. And then I, I transferred to uh, four year university, Cal State Fullerton, did the same thing there. And I graduated. And I, at that point, I so wanted to go back to the principal and say, see, see, but in the, uh, I am college material, but, uh, you know, looking back, I probably should thank her because I don't know how hard I would have hit, hit school if, if I didn't have that motivation from her in the back of my head saying that I wasn't college material. I mean, I really think that because of what she said to me, that's why I got a tutor. That's why I went to the math lab. That's why I did all these things to, to, you know, to prove her wrong. So maybe, maybe I, in the end, maybe I should thank her for, for, for that. For that motivation. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll show you attitude. Yeah, exactly. I'll show you attitude. Yeah. So now congratulations on all of that. That is that is wonderful. Now, what do you do to help others that may feel victimized, that may feel left out, that may feel bullied, that may feel, you know, um, sad that they're not included in things? What do you do and what do you say to help others? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, so, so now that I, I am a mindset coach, and for the longest time uh, of this, when I started to become a mindset coach, and I can go into why I became it, uh, but um, when I first started 
started out doing it, I, I wasn't getting any clients and, and I, I, you know, I thought I was doing all the right things with social media networking events and everything like that. And then something uh, came over me. I'm like, I'm not being vulnerable with my clients. How am I expecting them to be vulnerable with me if I'm not vulnerable with them? They need to know about me. And the story told you about me having cerebral palsy. I buried that story. I didn't want to tell anybody that story. And when I did tell people that story, I was almost in tears talking about it because all through my childhood, all I wanted to do was fit in. I didn't want any special treatment. I just wanted to be one of the other kids. So that's why I felt like I buried it. But I thought to myself, when I, when I started wanting to become a coach, I thought to myself, I really need to explore this story. I, I think this story can help other people. And once I started embracing the story of, of having cerebral palsy, things really started to open up for me. People started trusting me and they, they felt like, well, Paul understands. He knows the struggle. I, 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 I want to work with him as a coach because he knows what, you know, what, what I'm going through because of what he went through in his life. He has, he has empathy for me. Right. So, so uh, that's, the, that's the number one thing. First off, when I talk with a client, I, 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 empathy is big. I give empathy is huge for me. I, I give empathy and I'm an active listener because so, so many times when you talk with somebody, even a coach, you know, they're just polite enough to stop talking and then they're thinking about what they're going to say next and not really listening into what the, the, the uh, client is actually saying. And I try my best to be as present as possible and really leaning into what they're saying so that my responses are, are from what they're saying and, and giving them that, that, again, back to that empathy about mm -hmm. what, what's going on in their lives. So that's, those are the two huge things that, that I do for my clients. And I can go into further things, but those are the two main things that I, that I practice every single day when I have a coaching call. Yes. I, living authentically and living with uh, vulnerability is not a weakness. It is such a strength. And it doesn't mean that you're a victim to it. It means that you've uh, overcome it to the point where you're comfortable talking about it, you know, and sharing that. It is a part of who you are. It is a part of your story. It is a part of what makes you unique and what you bring to the table to help others. Oh uh, yeah, most definitely. And and that's and that's where we practice. And that's why I I, I say I'm a mindset coach because it all starts right here and right in the mind. It that's where that that's where it begins. If your mindset is not right, it's gonna be very, very tough for you to accomplish anything that you really want to accomplish because you're just not in the right frame of mind. I, I know that in my life, when I'm in a negative or angry mood, I'm not very productive. I'm, I'm kind of like, what's the point? I, that's my attitude. What's the point? I don't want to do it. Real short, real impatient. But when I'm in a good mood, I have patience. If there's a roadblock, I find a way over it because I'm in the right state of mind. And it's, and it's, and it's huge. People think it's not, but it's huge. Your, your mind can make you climb the mountain or, or go around. Right. So let me ask you, what if, what are, where's a good place to start with this? What if you have that stinking thinking? What if you have that victim mentality? How do you call people out on that? And how do you uh, get them to take a look at that so that they can shift it? Well, first off, it starts with self-love. 
you have to love this person that you see in the mirror. And that's the first and foremost thing. We got to love who we are. We got to be able to look in the mirror and go, you know what? I like this person. This person's a great person. And it all starts with awareness. It all starts on what you're, you're telling yourself because there's so many times that we say to ourselves in a dialogue, so many negative things that oh. we probably wouldn't even say to our worst enemy, but we say to ourselves all the time. Why is it okay uh, to sell ourselves if we're not even going to tell you our worst enemy? So we get really got to be aware of what we're telling ourselves. What is that story that we're telling ourselves? And if it's negative, we need to start to be, first off, start to be aware of that negative talk. And then once we start to be aware, oh, geez, I'm really negative. I, my mind's very negative. And once you start to be aware that you're saying these negative things, that's when you can start to change it because then you go, okay. Now I know that uh, what I'm saying to myself, and I know it's not real, it's just thoughts. I can say to myself, no, like if I say to myself, I'm fat, I go, no, I'm not fat. I'm not fat at all. I look good. And if I need to do something to improve myself, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take a walk. I'll eat a little bit better, but I'm not fat. I, I, I'm, I'll, I'm good the way I am right now. So loving, loving yourself, accepting yourself for who you are, but then examining what your thoughts around that are. I always like to tell people, why don't you try the next time thoughts come into your mind, say them out loud, especially when they're thoughts about you. Like you will be shocked at what you say. No question about it. You, right? you, really you would were. be the biggest, meanest bully. You would be the bigger, meaner bully than the real bullies out there. You're absolutely right. You you definitely you definitely are, and 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 we shouldn't be that way to ourselves. Life is hard as it is. We don't need to make it harder by by saying that stuff to ourselves. Right. So carrying this through high school, then you have your college degree. Um, how did you decide that this was going to be your your path in life of of really replicating and coaching? what you did to help others that probably wasn't apparent at first was it no not no not at all i mean i, I remember graduating uh college having no life experience whatsoever had no idea what the heck i wanted to do with myself um so i had a family friend who was a ceo of a small bank and he said what if you tried becoming a mortgage loan officer i said why not i got nothing else going on let's let's give it a go and i i got into it and um, I was very, very surprised and shocked at first because no one wanted to talk to me. Everybody was shunning me. They, they didn't want anything to do with me. And the reason why is because they knew I knew the CEO. I was personal friends with the CEO. And they knew that I got the, the job because of my name, not my talents. So I was back to when, how I felt in junior high. I mean, I was sitting alone at lunch. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what did I do? I, what did I do in junior high to get over it? And I, I go, well, it was back to that baseball goal. And I said to myself, I go, what goals could I, could I use from going after my baseball to, to what I'm doing now? And I thought, well, you know, I had to put my head down, ignore the noise and work extremely hard. So that's what I, I did. I just put my head down. I worked really hard. I, I, if people asked me to do a task, I'd got it done in a timely manner. I had a I had a great attitude, and uh, the loan officers really didn't want to talk to me. But I would examine what the top producing loan officers did from afar. I examined what they did, and um, I just kept doing that over and over again. And I remember my first day of having to go out in the field or wanting to go out in the field rather, 
And this, and my family friend stops me and goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm, I'm going to go out and get loans. And he has a concerned look on his face. No, 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 you're not ready, man. You, we need to get you more training. I'm like, no, no, I got this. And I got to tell you, uh, it was good training, but, uh, you know, going out there, but I fell on my face. I had no idea what the clients wanted. They were beating me up left and right. And that happened for months and months and months. And then I started to realize what value I could add to these clients. And once that started happening, then things started to click in for me. And then, I, uh, and then I just kept working harder and harder and harder at it. And then two years after all this happened, uh, I became a top producer. And these people that were ignoring me uh, two years ago are now coming to me for advice. So it was a, it was a, it was a shift. And then um, I really enjoyed the industry for many, many years. Then 08, 09 hit, economy just tanked. And, uh, you know, they put in different restrictions on us, you know, making it harder for us to do business. And I really started to lose the luster of it. And uh, to get to your question, um, there was a motivational speaker that came to talk with us, you know, to bump up the sales. Mm -hmm. And the guy blew me away. The guy was so awesome. So I went up to him after and I said, this was tremendous. This was a great presentation. Thank you so much. And I picked his brain a little bit and he goes, oh, you know, I also started as a life coach. I'm like, life coach, what the heck is that? Explain to me what a life coach was. I'm like, you know, what? that's what I wanted to do. So, so I, I started getting my coaching certificate on the side and I, I started to tell people I want to become a life coach. And then uh, it was funny because people were like, okay, life coach, go out and get loans. They were just kind of humoring me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is life coach, whatever. And um, then they started to get serious. I, I, I put my website up and, and um, in the, the bank at the time, I've switched banks several times mm -hmm. after this, but the bank at the time I was working with saw that I had my website and this and that. And they're like, this is a conflict of interest. So they came up with this, you know, two page list of what I could and couldn't say with coaching, this and that. And, I, and I, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get any traction with the coaching with all these restrictions. So I made a hard decision. I was like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do just coaching. I'm, I'm going to have to quit the mortgage industry. So I um, paid off all my debts. I changed my spending habits and then I quit and people are like, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? You're a loan officer. This life coaching thing is nonsense. What are you doing? So there was a lot of people that had resentment for me because I made this, this move all because all I wanted to do was coach. It was like weird that these people were treating me differently, but you know, it is what it is. I, I since made up with a lot of these people, but at the time they were like, this is nonsense. Yeah. Well, and you know then, what I noticed what I'm noticing. And if I, if I may just interrupt you for a second, yeah. um, these are things that, you know, a lot of times people who think they know what's best for you um, will tell you what, what to do, but you know, deep in your heart, what you need to do and what you must do. And, um, that is part of the graduating grief process is that you have to listen to that inner voice and know what's calling you and know what's right for you. There are other people who mean well, they mean well, um, and they think they know better. There are those that mean well, and then those that think that they know better, um, but you ultimately know, and you have to make that decision. And I just wanted to, to, to clarify that for people, no matter whether it's in a job situation, whether it's in a grief situation, whether it's in a life situation, you're going to run into all of these kinds of people, but you've got to keep your compass and your focus going to where you need to go because it's your life. No one else can live it, but you. 
100% agreed. Yep, absolutely. And it's hard, right? You you get nervous about that because, you know, uh, you know, there was a lot of times where I was doubting myself. I had that that tickle in my stomach, like, am I doing the right thing? Should I go back to the mortgage industry? Because you get so much of that negative noise, you start to doubt yourself. And thank goodness, uh, you know, uh, I didn't. I mean, I did doubt myself. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm a human being, but I, I, I overcame it. You know, we're, we're talking about those thoughts, those negative thoughts, and I was able to overcome those negative thoughts. And if I wasn't able to overcome those negative thoughts, I would have gotten out a long time ago because, uh, you know, the coaching industry isn't for, for the, the weakened stomach. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's wonderful. So now who do you, you tried, who, who are your ideal clients? Who are you trying to help? And I would imagine that other people with disabilities would be a great match for you. Yes, uh, exactly. So somebody with uh, physical limitations, whether that, that be from birth or whether that be from an accident or, or what have you, because that, that's it's tough. You know, we, you know, a lot of times it's very easy for people who have physical limitations to go, why me? Why, why do I have to deal with that? Why can't I be like anybody else? Because I've had those thoughts all my life. And, um, and, and with those clients, we have to focus in on what we can do and not what we can't do. And that's that is that is a daily process that we, we go over because it's it's something that comes up over and over again. And we got to just focus on there's so much what we can do and so much abilities that we have. We just need to focus in on that and find something that we really, really enjoy. And, 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 and once we figure that out, share it for the world to see. Well, Paul, it's been wonderful spending time with you. You certainly are an inspiration. And um, I am just so glad that you shared your wisdom and your journey with, with all of us. Thank you so much, Sherry. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, Please subscribe, rate, review, and share.